Hello everyone. I am excited. Today we have a men's coach in the house. He is a relationship coach and he specializes in coaching men in relationships. He's also an author and his book is titled Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. I know a lot of women are excited mm -hmm. to hear that title right now. Mm -hmm. And if you're watching the video version of this podcast, it looks like this and it's available on Amazon, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Nobles, Kobo. If you're in Canada, Never amazing. Heard of it. And Kindle, Everywhere. Kindle as well. Kindle as well. Yep. This is awesome. It's an awesome read. Whether I mean, it's written mostly for men, but I enjoyed it a lot. Women, you would enjoy this so much. And I actually saw a lot of myself in it. Uh. I realized that I have a masculine core. <laughs> you know, it's actually. I, it's interesting. I wouldn't say that it's written for men. It's no. written from the perspective of a man. Okay. And I'm certainly uh, speaking to men a lot because it's really, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to the responsibility. Let's say it like this. I'm speaking to the responsibility of men and how we show up in relationship or don't show up in relationship and, and, and how our our behavior choices, our language, all of that impacts our, our partners. But it's also, um, I think, I think for women, one of the things as I was writing this book over many years, really, is that and sharing these stories as well and, and these insights, uh, women really responded to what's in here. I think, I think for women, it's incredibly validating. And you tell me, because you're a woman, I, I don't want to tell you what this was like for you, but I think. My experience is a lot of the feedback from a lot of women and it is it's so validating from what they've gone through and experienced. Absolutely. And I would think that you would have more female fans than male, at least initially, unless it's a really conscious male who is ready to take responsibility, asking themselves, like, how am I causing this? I would think you would get some hater messages from guys if they're not in that conscious space. Like, what is this guy talking about? I, I do. I have over the years. And, and I do have more female, uh, I don't know, what's the term, followers, fans. It's such a weird world we live in today. <laughs> But uh, I like, sound like a cult leader, like I have followers, you know, what is that? <laughs> but anyway, 80, I'd say 80 to 85% of my audience, by which I mean on social media platforms, is women. And yes, uh, you know, what? the interesting thing that happens with a lot of men is oftentimes men will discover my work uh, because the women they've been in partnership with will need them to look at it. Do they be? Do they say things like, "Look at this guy's video." <laughs> they do. They definitely do. They do. They say, "Look at this video." They say, you know, a lot of times they ask me, "Well, how do I get him to look at it? To, to look at your stuff?" And uh, you know, I, I, I remind them, "Well, you, you can't really get a man to do anything he doesn't want to do, and if you can't get him to do it, then you won't respect him, and he won't respect himself." So it's a tricky. It's a tricky thing. But this is what happens. I mean, oftentimes men are brought to my work by the women they're in relationship with, or men have a breakdown. They realize I need help. I can't figure this out by myself anymore. Not that they ever could, but that's the myth we're sold that we can figure this out by ourselves. And um, so, or, or just there are men who are just genuinely wanting to learn and grow. And oftentimes, so those men come to my work and they love it immediately. But the men that are uh, sort of pre-breakdown, <laughs> <laughs> you know, pre 
bottoming out, uh, those men tend to come to my work and go, what the hell is this? This guy is so hard on us men. He's basically, they basically say to me what they're often saying to their partners. You're too hard on me. You're making it too difficult. Like, you know, because uh, I think men carry a lot of burden by ourselves, but we don't, we don't know how to share the burden. We don't know how to let others in to help us carry our, our burdens. And so here I am showing up with, in, in my work and in inviting men, challenging men to take responsibility for our part in things, you know, for our hundred percent of the, of the, of the, of what I call a 100, 100 relationship to take responsibility for our hundred percent. And I have, you know, there's a couple uh, testimonials, not testimonials, sort of reader, reader, um, quotes on the book, the back cover. And I had to choose, you know, from, from many of them. But one I chose from a man was essentially says, Brian, when I first found your work, I wanted to send you hate mail. I was not enrolled, but since I've gone deeper, I'm, I just want to cuddle you and snuggle you and, and say, thank you so much. And that's a common arc that, that men go through because what I'm really doing is calling men into their greatness through this work. But while we're stuck in our wounding, in our, in our victim mindset, you know, kind of poor me, not that men want to openly talk about that. But while we're in our wounding and our kind of our adolescent way of being, you know, which is it's all about me and, and we can't step into our greatness. So that's the, that's the threshold that men must cross in order to really benefit from, from, from you know, well, the work that I do. Amazing. And you did a workshop in my home oh, right. a long time ago. Yeah. This was like six, eight years ago. It, it was a right, while ago. That's right. Yeah. But what I remember from that, there were males and females yeah, there. Yeah. And we did a bunch of different exercises. You yeah. spoke, we did some eye gazing stuff, danced, right. masculine, feminine. You talked about that a lot. Yeah. But what I, what stood out to me that night was after you were done and everyone was free to socialize, mm. snack, drink, all the men were in a corner so eager to talk mm. about things, mm. about their ex, and mm -hmm. which showed me they don't usually feel safe to talk about these things yeah. or comfortable to yeah. talk about these things. Yeah. Well, absolutely. We've, we've, been, we've been, throughout our life, we've been punished in all kinds of ways for our vulnerability, starting when we're children. You know, boys don't cry. Yes. Just that right there. No, don't be a girl. Boys don't cry. I mean, there's so many problems with <laughs> this. Don't be a girl and boys don't cry. Oh my goodness. But that's what we're taught. Uh, and it's reinforced on the playground, on the sports field, on the playing field. It's reinforced at that age, certainly by our fathers. I think that's shifting a lot now, but I still hear it. I still hear, I was at a, an LA Galaxy soccer game. This is a few years ago now, but I remember uh, a man probably around my age screaming at the players on the field, same thing. Don't cry. Don't be a, you know, pussy. Don't be a sissy. Come on, you know, pick, you know, again. And I'm like, man, things are changing. I do believe things are shifting. I see a lot of men who are being, who are fathers of my age are really cultivating a, 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 a deeper connection in their, particularly in their sons and their daughters for that matter. But, but my generation, our fathers didn't do that for us by and large nor did our mothers for that matter. So yeah, we don't understand what it means to be vulnerable and we associate it with just weakness. We are dying to have real conversations 
uh, certainly with women, but especially with other men. We're, di- we're I think I say, when I say dying, I don't even mean that metaphorically. We are literally killing ourselves because we're carrying our burdens by ourselves and we're not opening up to each other. And so we can't, because we don't trust each other. So, um, yeah, I, I love that you brought that up. I remember doing that at your uh, home. It was so much fun. It was a small little intimate group. And yeah, I, I have great appreciation for, for the sensitivity of men. And it's a tragedy that it's not cultivated. Absolutely. Can we talk about your personal upbringing? Because yeah. in your book, you discuss how important having a male figure is. Yeah. And you grew up with, you got along with your moms really well, right? Yeah, definitely. And then what about your dad? So yeah, I had two moms, mom and stepmom, and they were married to my fathers, not to each other. They were just to be clear, uh, my dad and my stepdad. And, you know, w- what I'll say about that, because I, I have, I love both of these men, my fathers. Uh, they're They've been instrumental in my who I am as a man today, uh, for, you know, for good and for bad, I suppose. Um, but essentially, what I grew up with was two models of manhood. One was the aggressive, dominating, you know, tyrant, and the other was the weak, impotent, uh, you know, wanderer, uh, checked out kind of dreamer, and and that not just in my family system, but just looking into culture at large. Those were the two choices I had for being a man, really. And neither of those appealed kind of on a deep instinctive level. It's like, ah, you know, I don't want to be a a dangerous tyrant, but I also don't want to be an impotent weakling. What the hell? So I became really paralyzed in a sense of of my own, what it means to be a man. And I, I, I say, and I went into the military, you know, I was a, captain in the air force and you know taught how to fire weapons and how to wage war in essence and yet at the same time i'm so disconnected from my body so disconnected from my my from my mature masculinity i'm i'm living in this sort of shadow masculine world and uh you know christine from that place i tried to do intimate relationship with women how you think that went uh-huh. Well, I've read your book, and yeah. I also personally know you, <laughs> right, so I right, know right. not very it's good. A question, but you already know the answer. <laughs> not yeah, very good, but yeah. progressively better and better. And now you are married, by the way. I yeah. want to make that clear because there yeah. are some coaches. I think it's fine to be single and a relationship coach, but yeah. I think there's something different when someone has the result you're looking for. Yeah. They're doing the work. I think you tend to have more empathy and compassion for someone who's there because when you're single I feel like it's easy to say something some things are logical like yes of course pick a partner that's this this when you fight do this but I'm like have you been with someone for seven ten years when those little things stack up and annoy the shit out of you you know it's a great point I I think the biggest difference that because I was uh I was coaching couples even when I was single before I met my partner six years ago we've been together and for a few years, I had been coaching uh, couples already. And a lot of it was just, look, I had a lot of human relational skills and understanding. And I'd also made all the mistakes in intimate relationship. And that's a valuable thing to, uh, to, to, to experience if you're going to then turn around and help other people that are kind of coming up behind you and helping them just know what the mistakes are. That's really powerful and valuable. 
But here's the, I'd say the biggest change from being a coach while I was single to now six years into marriage, particularly in relationship is I have so much more appreciation and capacity for the messiness that is relationship. I think when I was single, it's like everything's more black and white. It's like things are, uh, you know, it's, it makes for a much more Instagrammable posts. You know, you can speak without nuance. Things are this way and now no other way. And but boy, you then you're six years into a relationship is like, man, this shit is messy. It is. Stuff <laughs> comes up. If you're so, with someone yeah. long term, yeah. stuff will come up. And I've noticed people who are single make comments. And I used to too when I was single. If mm-hmm. A married couple would like fight or, you know, I, I'd be like, gosh, that's not healthy. And like all these things came up. But I mean, that was also my own uh, discomfort with conflict mm-hmm. and things like that. And I'd be like, why are you guys together? And things yeah. like that. Stuff will absolutely come up. <laughs> and it's messy is what I'm learning as well. It's messy. And I think our, our you know, mastery in relationship doesn't mean having everything in perfect order and having no problems and never fighting. I don't believe that for a second. I think mastery in relationship really learns means learning how to be with the messiness, to be with all the stuff that comes up, the in, the the stuff that you know. One of the great tensions that I see that men face in relationship consistently is this, and I think a lot of maybe your audience too. I think I think anybody who's really purpose driven in life, who who is sort of mission oriented, has an outcome in mind, and all men on some level have outcome in mind. And I think, uh, well. I'll say what I'm going to say and we can unpack that, but it's this tension between mission and relationship, the tension between wanting a certain outcome and then just being present for all that comes up in the relational space, all the messiness, right? That's I a, get that you get completely because last yeah. week my therapist told me, she, and she's just like, keep in mind the word grace and being in your relationship instead of getting the outcome mm. that you want because mm-hmm. i'm so like future oriented mm-hmm. masculine i like i want to mm-hmm. fix this mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. bump yeah, the brakes yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely and and that's that's a that's a tension that i think every relationship uh faces the, between mission and relationship whether your mission is just to make more money to grow a business to have peace of mind and harmony you know to whatever it is to raise children, whatever the mission is, um, that relationship, and by relationship, I mean all the feelings that can come up, the different desires, the, the, the differences in, in uh, needs and all, the, all kinds of stuff that comes up in the relational space, that can be really inconvenient to our mission. Have you ever seen the Mission Impossible movies? Uh, yeah, some, yeah, the Tom Cruise ones. Tom Cruise movies. So (laughs) it's, it's cooked into the plot, Christine, that Tom Cruise has to make a choice, his character, either he is married or he saves the world. Mm. I mean, literally saves the world. I mean, literally two, like a third of the world will die if Tom Cruise doesn't go on his mission impossible. (laughs) And meanwhile, he has a wife that he's not, he can't, he chooses not to be with because if he bees with her, he can't save the world. Like that's cooked into the plot. You know, we see this everywhere. Game of Thrones, same thing. There was this, 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 this epic and tragic quote in, in Game of Thrones that the men of the Night's Watch who were, who were uh, charged with protecting all of humankind from the chaos outside of the, over, on the other side of the wall. Well, their motto was, love is the death of duty. Mm. 
Love is the death of duty. And so I think there's this tension, again, it's in our pop culture, it's in our relationships, and I think that's one of the, the core tensions that if we don't understand how to navigate that, um, I mean, just turning off the light at night when you go to bed, one of you wants to turn off the light and the other one wants to keep it on, to keep connecting, keep doing relationship, and the other's like, I'm tired, I got work to do tomorrow, I got shit to do, I have had a long day, I, I, my mission is to turn off this damn light right now. And the other person's like, well, we got to connect. <laughs> Just that moment can ruin you. Yeah. Right? So it's, it's. I think that's, anyway, I'm not sure how we got onto this, but it's, <laughs> it's a fun subject. Absolutely. Can we talk about maturity hmm. with men? Because hmm. I think it's widely known that women in general mature faster than men as we're growing up. In general, okay? But with emotional maturity, that's been a tough one. I like. I mean, there's the obvious reasons of how a boy is raised, right? Where the, mm -hmm. he's not even taught to go there, you know? But I just feel like it's frustrating for a lot of women. A lot of women say, like, I want my man to open up, you know? Or, like, I've dated guys yeah. where I feel like their emotional maturity, I'm like, it's like a 13-year-old. I'm like, yeah. What the hell? And yeah. so, I of course, I want to have more compassion for it. So, how mm -hmm. can women, number one, have more compassion for that, and number two, how can we create a safe space yeah. for men to open up and do the work so that they can be in touch with their feelings? Yeah, great question. One of my one of my favorite subjects as well. I I think when I think of maturity and adulthood, the word that comes to my mind is responsibility. As adults, as mature adults, whether man or woman, we take responsibility for our lives, for how we impact others. And something happens to a girl that doesn't happen to a boy in their teenagehood, and that is she gets her period. She is able to, like some a dramatic shift happens in her body such that if she doesn't take responsibility for her choices, she, the consequences are another human being shows up all of a sudden and you're responsible for a baby. Men don't necessarily have the, the embodiment of that kind of change in, in adolescence. So it's interesting you said that, that a lot of sort of older men, you, the emotional maturity sometimes like 13 years old. Well, I think it's because men, we are by and large, we do get stuck at 13 years old mentality. And what I find is, is that men modern men in our in our era it's not until our late 30s or early 40s that we if we do at all we finally start running into the limitations of our adolescent behavior it, by limitations i mean it just can't take us any farther we've either made the money that that you know in in the in the with the uh you know winner takes all mindset and the it doesn't matter what other people feel sort of the the playground dominating rules that we, you know, employ from our teens into our thirties or forties. We've, so we've made the money and it didn't make us happy, for example, or we've made the money, we've got the relationship and we're not happy or she's not happy. And I know speaking in a heterosexual context, but our partner isn't happy and we're wondering what, what the hell's going on here? Well, often it's because we're not taking responsibility. We're not, we, we, our body is in the room. We're here. But we're not showing up. We don't, we don't, we're not taking responsibility. We're not, we don't know how to apologize. We don't know how to, or we're apologizing because we're people pleasing. 
which is still not taking responsibility. Something you want to say something. I'm thinking of my husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how cuz I feel like he's not he's not good at apologizing and mm. I actually maybe you can help me how can I encourage him yeah. cuz I'm usually mad yeah. when I'm cuz I feel like my 5-year-old nephew doesn't like apologizing mm-hmm. which I understand a little more and yep. my sister's like teaching him how important it is yep. you need to take responsibility and apologize. Yeah. But that's what I think of when yeah. a man can't apologize. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's just yeah. taking responsibility yeah. for how you impact somebody. So how yeah. can I invite yeah. him to want to or get it, just get it? Yeah, yeah. Because it's hurtful. Totally. Well, I, well, that's the you used a great word there. Invite, not demand. Um, you know, men by and large, we identify our our self worth is wrapped up in our doing. Did I do well? Did I do good? If I did good, then I am good. And the thing is, we we often don't know if I did good or not, except by the feedback we get. Like in relationship, the feedback from my partner is the in- indicator of whether or not I did good or did bad, right? If you're upset, then I must have done bad. But a lot of men, there's a lot of shame, a lot of uh, so much, so many layers of stuff that we have to, that we are protecting and guarding against. Also a lack of praise from our elders. Like we don't have elder men saying, you know, you're already a success, you know, welcoming us into our own manhood. So there's, there's a mountain of stuff on top of us that's in the way that when you get angry and you just think I should just take responsibility for that, there's like a fuck you. Uh-uh. Nobody's seen me. Nobody's loved on me. Nobody's you know, and, and I'm doing the best I can. You know, one of my woundings is you don't see my heart. So that's one of my retorts, you know, is I don't really use that language, but it's when my partners in the past would be upset. And I'd be like, well, you don't understand my intentions. My <laughs> husband says, I'm over here doing the best that I can. Exactly. I hear that a lot. So so let's let's talk actual. Here's some things that you can, can do and say to help him relax that part of the guarded part of him. Um, and, and even what he, he's giving you a clue right there. I'm doing the best. I'm doing, there's a word, I'm doing the best I can. What he's telling you is I don't feel seen either. You want me to see you, but I don't feel seen, right? And, and it's not just you, Christine. He hasn't felt seen for his whole life. Probably doesn't feel seen by his parents, by his dad. I mean, I don't know his story, but most men, we, we've felt left alone by our fathers, so, you know, finding our own way into manhood and, but now you want me to take responsibility for your upset? Fuck that. Nobody's, who's showing up for me? That's again. So, um, one of the things that's helpful when Sylvie, my, my wife tells me when she's upset is Brian, you didn't do anything wrong. That's so helpful uh, for me to hear. Okay. You didn't do anything wrong. <sighs> See, one thing that I, I tell couples a lot is when you're doing relationship well, you're, 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 you're managing each other's nervous system in the moment. So, you know, if, if you, you see your, you know, your partner's tense and stressed in their face, I mean, that your partner has a tell as you do, like a, like a tell, you know, when you're upset and stressed and, you know, f- for me, I tend to, my, my voice gets raised a little, my pitch, the pitch of my voice, I kind of, I might fold my arms, my face gets tight. You can tell my body's in stress right there. 
And if you're coming to me for connection in that moment and understanding and, and, and comforting and soothing and want an apology, well, I'm locked up. I'm The wall's up. You're not going to get it if you just keep pushing into it, demanding or whatever. So when she says, look, you didn't do anything wrong. <sighs> okay. And I, you know, she might have to say it a few times because I don't believe her at mm -hmm. first. And how's her tone? Uh, the softer, the better. You know, but sometimes again, it's you know she's in stress too. And, and by the way, there's things I can say to her. I, I call these language needles. Uh, this was a gift given to me by one of my mentors uh, studying, uh, who was a, a wonderful acupuncture uh, teacher at a university. And and um, uh, Diane Connolly and Bob Duggan, they they in their in their acupuncture teaching, they would they would teach people before you put a needle in a body, learn how to be the needle first. And what does a, a needle do? But it increases flow, chi, energy flow in the body where there's stuck and stagnant energy. Well, in that moment in your relationship, there's a stuck and stagnant energy. There's no flow between you. There's just two walls up or there's, there's, or there's a wall and there's chaos outside the wall. And, and, and so how do we merge? How do we, how do we get the flow going between us again? And that's what you're wanting by an apology. Mm -hmm. But he's stuck. He can't offer it. So a language needle, you know, and every person's going to have their own language needles. For me, you didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing you have to fix. Those are language needles that help me. Okay. All right. So it's like, okay, I get that breath comes into my body. So now I'm relaxing. My nervous system is opening. Um, it, it might be helpful if she touches me as well to just, you know, to help calm me. And I know she needs calming. So, you know, look, this is, it, it's got to go both ways, you know, but we're talking about you and you're in the scenario you're, you're pointing out with your husband, some language needles. And when you, when you notice, he goes, ah, you can kind of see that breath. Okay. Now he's with you. Now he's here. And now uh, that might even be all it takes for him to say, okay, I, I hear you. I got you. I understand that was hurtful. I'm sorry. What about the times where you don't understand how the woman feels? Which is most of the times? <laughs> I would, <laughs> you mean most of the times? I would think so. Uh -huh. Or in your book, because you, you talked about how women like to be acknowledged. Yeah. I, I say that all the time to my husband, because men and women are different, right? And I don't, I don't think he really understands how much yeah. I love being acknowledged. Mm. So I'm wondering, <laughs> like, either... Can he understand that more or like that willingness of I'm still going to do it even though I don't really get it yeah. to the point where she feels it? One of, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm often working with men is around this distinction that, that validating your partner is not the same as agreeing with them. You can validate your partner's experience without necessarily agreeing with their conclusions or reasons for it. That's really important. Because for most of us men, um, I think a lot of women too, but, but certainly for men, we, we live in a, a logical framework. Now, you know, we can, I'm not saying a factual, accurate framework, just logic, our own. And if your experience, if you're upset, if your feelings don't make sense in our logical framework, and by the way, for most men, something major has to happen for there to be big feelings about it, right? Like most men, if, if, the, if the house ain't on fire, 
if you're not bleeding, if I don't have to call the cops, we got no problems. What's your deal? <laughs> That's exactly it. It's I have to be pissed or like crying uh-huh. my eyes out, I feel like, and then it starts to click. And s- someone has to either have died or, yeah, like, you know, some major thing has to have happened. Um, and if not, then, yeah, I don't understand why you're upset. And if you are upset, you know, it's it's interesting, too. I mean, same, this is all this is, I'm talking about myself, obviously, you know, early in my relationship. And even still, I think, you know, Sylvie, my wife, she's a huge feeler. And of course she is, because I've, I've been disconnected from my feelings for most of my life. I mean, growing up a boy, going into the military, being in a college fraternity, like just all feeling disconnecting experiences. So naturally, I'm going to be attracted to a woman who brings so much feeling into my life. But naturally, I'm also going to reject it. As I reject what I reject in myself, I will reject in my partner. So um, there, it's funny you say there's a threshold. There has been a threshold. Like if I in the past, and I I've, I don't do this so much anymore. I've I've learned so much in in our relationship. Um, but early on, yeah, we'd argue about something that I was that I believe this is not arg- This is not worth arguing over. What is the deal? Well. If she was teary or cry, if she would crank the crying up to 58 million, I'd be like, okay, I'm here. All right. Whoa. Something's going on. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. It like, it had to override my sort of sense of logic. It's like, okay, I need to be present for whatever the hell this is. Oh, got it. It's, which is not a healthy way to do this, Christina. This shouldn't have to get to that okay. place. But it makes me feel a little less like this is like a con a normal thing like it's not just pete and i so that makes me y'all are not alone i promise you (laughs) by a long shot yeah okay so can we talk about some of your previous relationships yeah sure so what are some of the patterns that you had what are the big things Mm. that just mistakes you've made things that you kept doing that you realize this isn't working and this is not nice to do to other people yeah i think I th- I think well we're already talking about it. My my inability look when I grew up as growing up um I would say that my the general story I tell is I had a great childhood. Yeah, parents divorced when I was four. Sure there was alcoholism in my home and and a lot of rage and all that, but no one ever beat me. No one ever, you know, I wasn't abused in any obvious way. Um but another thing happened. Or didn't happen. I wasn't really comforted. Nobody ever comforted me. I was dealing with a lot as a child of divorce, parents separated, being bullied at school, you know, um, being bullied by my sister. (laughs) Nobody ever comforted me, Christine. So I learned, uh, you know, I think, again, this is not to take anything away from my parents. They're all amazing people. But, you know, mom was working all the time. So I was kind of a child of neglect, latchkey kid of the 80s, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I grew up just knowing how to self-soothe. I take care of myself. Yeah. I got me. I don't need anybody. You know, dad's off adventuring with his with his new wife all over the world and, and I wouldn't see him for months, you know? So flash forward, adult relationships. My partner's upset. Well, what do you want from me? Comfort yourself. I mean, I didn't say those words, but that was the attitude. Like, I got me, you should get you. I, you know, I don't need comforting. Again, I didn't use those words, but that's how it revealed itself through my body language, through my language, through my words, through my actions. So, you know, throughout my twenties and thirties, there were, uh, you know, 
many relationships with women where they were wanting to come to me with their pain and their upset, and I was a closed door. It breaks my heart to this day, Christine. There are there are visions in my mind of past moments where someone that I cared so deeply about was in so much pain, and she was wanting me to just hold it with her. Now, look to be, you know, to to be balanced here. They weren't doing this skillfully. There's a lot of lack of skill on their part as well. But it, nonetheless, you know, again, I'm taking responsibility for my. 100% in this. And I was a closed door when it came to my partner's pain. And I think that's one of the, the enduring heartbreaks of my life, that I was that closed door to women that I cared about who just wanted me to sit with them and be with them in what they were going through. And um, so I, I think that's the predominant one. Yeah. Have you ever had conversations with your ex apologizing to them? Do you talk to... You know, them anymore? I, I have made as many apologies as I could over the years. Definitely. Um, I think there are, are some sort of repairs that I won't necessarily get to make that it might not be, I don't know, for various reasons, just appropriate to initiate and to have, you know, uh, I think in, to, to some degree, sometimes I, I hope that through my work, some of the women that I was with in the past, uh, will, will, will hear my words you know, and, and, and know that, that I, I mean them deeply, you know, and it reverberates throughout my past. But I think for the most part, you know, again, shit, I, I can't speak for the, for the women in my past, but um, I, I definitely have had some apologizing conversations and, and they have with me as well. Yeah. I was going to say, do really any reach out to you and yeah. Yes, that has happened. Yeah. That's really nice. It's, yeah. I think it's helpful for closure sometimes, just the acknowledgement. It is. It is. And it's still, I think there's a part of me that'll still always carry like, yeah, there's just a few scenes in my head where I just, you know, I was doing the thing with my arms crossed and no, I am not going to comfort you. You comfort yourself attitude. And I can just see the, the sadness and the pain. And it's just, it just, oh, it's devastating to me. And I can see that, you know, in my relationship with Sylvie, there are moments where I want to go back into that old pattern because it's still there. It's still the, the, the little boy that was never comforted still lives in me. And there are moments where I go like, fuck this, you know, I'm, I am, you know, but I know if I stay here, this ain't good for anybody. So a lot of times I'll, 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 I will actually, I'll when I notice I start to do that, I can feel it, you know, being connected to my body in ways I wasn't in my earlier days. It's like, whoa, there it is. There's the pattern. Ooh, I'll kind of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll uncross my arms. I'll, I'll breathe. <sighs> relaxing my own nervous system. So now I can just be okay. And Sylvie and I've built up a lot of trust as well. And, and Sylvie is, you know, she's, she, she, she is skillful. She's also unskillful as I am also unskillful, <laughs> but we both are endlessly leaning towards making repairs. You know, neither one of us are overwhelmingly concerned. I'm, I'm about to lie to you right now. I was going <laughs> to say neither one of us are overwhelmingly concerned with getting it right all the time. That's such a lie. We're both so perfectionists and we like, we want to do it perfect and right, uh, which can just add to the shame when we don't, but we've gotten really good at just making repairs quickly, you know, where in my past arguments and fights would spiral for hours and hours and days and never, and not even be resolved for years. You know, Sylvia and I can get through something in 30 minutes because we know how to 
use language needles to to take ownership in in important ways of what's coming up for us to not be blamey and judgy and in each other's lane and you know and 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 then Sylvie's been great at apologizing. I've had to to learn how to apologize for real. I should say. Yeah, there's a distinction. There is. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's not an apology. Or well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry you feel that way. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. That's what that is. Yeah. Do you ever do group coaching for men? I do. Um, you do? Yeah. Do you think that they tend to feel safer when it's in a group environment? Lesson like uh, intense, maybe not more at first. Not no, at first. No, definitely it's not at first. No, I don't even. I mean, I've, I've, I've been doing kind of men's work for the last seven, eight years, like diving deep into men's work and leading men's work for probably the last, I don't know, four or five years. And, you know, even, even for me, when a, when a man first steps into a circle, into a group, there's a part of me, it's like, okay, who is this guy? And, and is he going to show up? That's the kind of the question that arises for me. Who is this dude? I'm not worried anymore so much about whether I can trust a man because, um, well, I think a lot of men, we don't trust each other. We don't trust that if I'm vulnerable, you won't exploit my vulnerability. You won't make fun of me. You won't demean me. You won't, uh, you know, whatever. And it takes some time for men to build that trust. And I think it takes a, a, a skilled facilitator to help that trust be built. And then when conflict arises, as it will, when you get men in a group, as it should, it should arise if we're being honest with each other. Um, it takes a skilled facilitator to help make sure that that conflict stays respectful because it can very quickly become disrespectful. And then that that's the end of the group. Mm. How important do you think it is for men to have a community of other guys oh. or a tribe of other guys? How do I say this? Abso-fucking-lutely essential. I mean, I had no idea how important it was uh, to have other men around me until really the last five years or so. And look, I was in the military, you know, surrounded by men. I was in a fraternity, surrounded by men. But those were places of, of particularly like a fraternity in college. It's just, it's just teenage boys, you know, playing at manhood. Uh, like, you know, kids wearing their daddy's shoes. It doesn't, we're, we're fumbly and we're all over the place and we're hurt. We might hurt ourselves and others or playing with dad's razor. Like we're going to cut ourselves. It's like, so, and, and again, in those environments, I learned, you know, the stories I learned are men are doofuses. Men are idiots. I don't need men. They're so, they're so stupid, you know, and I'm a man saying this about men and the uh, same. I mean, my fathers, I love them to death, but I, I don't look to my fathers for wisdom. So it wasn't until really my late 30s that I started to meet and understand that, wow, there are some really good men in the world that, that I can feel safe with. And having a brotherhood of men with whom I feel safe with, uh, by safe, I mean, we can put it all out on the table and I'm not going to be made fun of. I'm not going to be disrespected. I may be challenged, but I need that, especially for men. See, here, one, here, one of the tragedies of, of modern relationship is when, when a man does not have other men to challenge him and to see him respectfully, mm -hmm. what happens then is it falls on his intimate partner to challenge him. Mm -hmm. 
And that's not the intimate partner's role. That's actually very depolarizing and very frustrating if the intimate partner is the one who has to kind of hold this man accountable to his greatness. He needs other men for that. So it's essential, I think. It's absolutely essential for men to have other men. When you're talking about the doofuses, mm. so when you've had guy friends who they're going to get married or bachelor parties, yeah, you, I have a friend, he's in his mid-40s, but he still like goes to bachelor parties and I ask him what's, you know, like what do you guys do, you know? And he said there's something so fun in being just idiots and being mm. stupid and immature. Mm. What is that desire? Mm -hmm. Like why do... Why do men, some men, yeah. have that? Yeah, it's like it's a kind of like little kid, right? Like playful. Like yeah. he even admitted, like being like doing yeah. stupid shit. Yeah. Well, I don't know what he means by doing stupid shit. I think all, all men, we we need to continue cultivating our our little boy, the one that knows how to play, how mm -hmm. to have fun, yeah, how to you know, in his parlance, do stupid shit. Which which again. I think there are ways to have fun and do so-called stupid shit that are not violating to to others that are not that don't break agreements with your intimate partner that that are honoring of women for mm -hmm. example that are honoring of the planet um you know if doing stupid shit means you know shooting squirrels out of a tree just for fun I'm not enrolled in that um but if doing stupid shit means, you know, going to your friend's house and, and jumping off the, the, the second story of, of their, their boathouse into the lake as a way of challenging yourself, I'm so enrolled in that. You know, all your friends are cheering you on and are throwing a football to you while you dive off of it. I'm so enrolled in that. Um, so, but because that cultivates the inner, the inner boy, the inner, the inner child, I mean, we can't just be all adult all the time. We'd be bored with our lives. And, and again, as I said, the, the word adult conjures for me the word responsibility. Well, we have to also have times when we don't take any responsibility at all. We're just having fun. Mm -hmm. But I think until a man really steps into his mature adulthood um, and really integrates that, I think a, a lot of men go into it reluctantly. They take on responsibility that they don't want, mm -hmm. whether it's at a job, or a wife or a husband for that matter or your kids it's like they, they're not they don't want the responsibility they take it because well you know that's what they're supposed to do they don't want it mm -hmm. and so yeah go drinking on fridays or go to a strip club at the you know at the bachelor party and do stupid shit because well that's sort of where they're still at and adulthood is just a mask they're wearing but i think when you really when a man really steps into his mature adulthood doing stupid shit takes on a whole new meaning it becomes, you know, something that is honoring of 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 the whole. Mm. And with that playfulness, because with women, I also I like to be playful as yeah. well. But I feel like women, as they get older, aren't as good at staying playful. Mm -hmm. Have you noticed that as well? I don't. I mean, it could be the people I'm hanging around, maybe, or yeah. like, you know, my mom and stuff like that. But. I always like or losing like sense of humor. Yeah. That's one thing too. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why do people lose yeah. their sense of humor? Yeah. You know? So what do you think? Yeah. I mean, there's the obvious one that women tend to have kids. There is more responsibility mm -hmm. there. But I do feel that there's less of a like with you men, it's like in there, like we want to play. With mm. women, I feel like they kind of cut that part off as they get mm. older. 
I'm not sure. I mean, my, my wife, Sylvie, she's 38. She's the most playful person I know. Like she's, it's, she's constantly climbing me like I'm a ladder, like I'm a playground set. <laughs> just so, but I think there's just something in our culture where we don't, we don't cultivate the, the child within because we don't cultivate adulthood. So uh, it's an interesting uh, reflection and I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure where that would be. Okay. I would encourage it. Like women yeah. to, to, I think playful is always good. And it's really attractive mm -hmm. too. I think not like an immature, stupid playful, but how yeah. like fun, like life's not always as serious as yeah. we make it out to be. Yeah. I, I think again, I, I think it comes back to the, to the, the lack of maturity, the lack of adulthood um, that are the inner child inside of that just gets lost. It's like the inner child has to be an adult. It doesn't want to be. So I think a lot of us are living with with deep deep rooted resentments and sadnesses and and grieving ungrieved. Um, so I mean, as adults, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question. There'd be a lot to explore there. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Gio, did you give a heads up? Was it ten minutes already? Oh, okay, we're good on time. Okay, we're okay. We have ten minutes. Okay, so now may I ask you some questions yeah. that our listeners sent in. Got a lot of questions. Women have a lot of questions for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody asked, why bother starting something, act like a boyfriend, and then go emotionally unavailable? I assume they're, so they're talking about a, a man that goes in, is, looks like he's all in, yeah. shows up all in, and then all of a sudden, uh, I, I'm not entirely clear. Yeah. So I've experienced this okay. as well, where yeah. my my thought was like, why did you spend so much time doing this, yeah. like cultivating yeah. this? Yeah. And then all of a sudden yeah. you disappear yeah, or you cut things off, like yeah. and the efforts out, like what? Yeah. Like it's wasting yeah. your time and it's wasting yeah. my time. <laughs> yeah. You know, relationship for men is far better fantasy than reality. We love it in theory. We're all in. That's why we can write amazing pop songs and 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 you know movies about love, pop songs about love, poetry about love. We can talk a really big game up front. And it's yeah, sure, you know, every intimate relationship is fantastic for a couple weeks or even a couple months, but then it becomes real. And the moment it becomes real, a lot of men are not in for that. They're not up for the realness of it. They want they want the fantasy of it. And I get it. That was me throughout my 20s and 30s. I was such a romantic. I had no idea what the reality of relationship was going to require of me. So um, I think that's very common because it's, it's not a, I don't see it as a flaw or a fault in the man. I think it's just we're sold a, a lot of mythology around relationship that doesn't match reality. And I mean... Boy, there's so many layers to that, but I think that's the the simple of it. Yeah, how much were you influenced by movies and Super Mario Brothers and stuff to want to save women? <laughs> that's funny, interesting. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, like, where, wait, where are you, you going save, with that? You save, <laughs> did like, you save the princess? That wasn't very romantic, but now I got it. That's right, you're saving the princess. It's funny. I never connected Mario Brothers with saving the princess. Interestingly enough, I was all, but but I, I see, I get, I get it. I see what you're saying. Definitely movies and pop songs uh, um, entirely. I mean, they're, 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 
they're all so good at um, activating the lover in a man, you know, the lover archetype, the part of us that wants to connect, that that yearns to to connect to to others, to the world, to life, that yearns to offer love and experience love. So pop culture is great at activating that. It's horrible at giving us any skills around actually then having a human relationship. I, I, you know, Sylvia and I, we watched The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. I'm not ashamed to admit it anymore. I would have been at first. I was like, there's no fucking way I'm ever watching this show. But it's actually kind of fascinating in the dynamics that play out there. But one of the things that I, I see is such a tragedy about that show. And I saw it in the, the last season that they had with Matt James, the, the first uh, African-American Bachelor. But I, I think this is in every season it plays out this way. They're stimulating these these kids, these these young adults, to fall in love. They're creating the conditions within which love, this thing called love, which you know, biochemistry, emotions, connection, all that can 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 be created and even nurtured. They're giving them zero 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 skills on how to do relationship well, then how to navigate the intricacies that are coming up. So you have like, you know, one person one woman or one man who basically is having a polyamorous relationship with 30 other people for like two months. <laughs> it's the weirdest setup. So, you know, like this is bizarre. Like, okay, everybody, we're going to go on our polyamorous group date tonight, you know, 15 of us, and we're going to make out with all of you and you're all going to, and it's just a weird premise, but you can see they're activating the lover. And we're all enrolled. Who's going to do the proposal? Oh, it's a, oh, they're such a match. You know, we all feel good with this couple. Anyway, and even you know, in that last season, like the advice that Matt got from his mother around when he was kind of down to the final few women, her advice—no disrespect to her—but it was horrible. She gave him horrible advice. Basically, encouraged him to be scared of love. And then what happens? He shows up and he's scared of love and he basically sabotages what's going on because his mom's wounding was playing out into his wounding. And I'm like, where are the fucking therapists and coaches helping these people actually have some skills and, and to deal with the humanness of this experience? Is there? That's a good show idea. I wonder if it'd be as popular, though. Probably not. People don't want to. <laughs> it's boring because these people are healthy. Look, I, 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 I tend to believe that as well. And though I think that actually people are dying, they're starving for skills. That's true. And there's not going to be any shortage of drama. That's true. This <laughs> so, is true. You know, anyway. I have a show idea then. So that's, it's a tragedy, you know, but um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question. You have a chapter in your book yeah. called The Three Sexiest Words a Man Can Say. Mm. What are those three sexiest words? What are the three sexiest words a man can say? Well, um, you obviously know them, so I can't play this game with you. And I love them. I'll, I'll share the... I was having a conversation with a, a, a female friend of mine years ago um, before I wrote this, and she was sharing with me that there was a, a new love in her life. And she was, uh, uh, it was, I guess, the first night he slept over, and she, and uh, she had a dog. And in the morning, she would normally, you know, get up at eight o'clock in the morning, whatever, and take the dog for a walk around the neighborhood. So this this morning, he slept over, and 
and she's getting up to get out of bed and he's in bed and, and, uh, and she's like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. He's like, no, 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 you stay in bed. I got this. And she told me just watching her body language as she told me what happened, seeing her, you could just see her, just even her body language, her eyes started to sparkle. Like she, uh, you know, got into a bit of a flutter and is like, oh, wow, that's interesting. And so that, that article was born of that conversation. I think I shared that in the, in the actual uh, story in the book. And I got this. I got this. Nobody ever taught me that growing up. Again, I grew up with strong moms who, who always had it. They were the ones who were, you know, I gotten this all over the place. And so I just assumed, oh, well, women got this. And they do. Women can get this. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> but I was oriented towards just expecting women to always, whatever that meant. I mean, look, sure, if there's a heavy suitcase, fine, I'll carry it. But otherwise, you know, we're co-equal partners here. And whatever I can do, you can do. So, you know, it just didn't even occur to me to show up in these different ways and all these ways. So, yeah, I, I got this. Um, I think that's the, you know, every time we get into the car, I open the door for Sylvie. Even if she's going to drive, I open the door for her 95% of the time um, because it's just a little, it's a little practice of, babe, I got this. You can relax. You don't have to exert yourself even opening the door. I got this. Just little things like that. You know, it's, it's, it's so enlivening to, to the male biochemistry as well. It's like, oh, you know, my backbone gets a little straighter. It's like I get to be a little super man in the moment. And she gets to relax and oh, be in her more in her feminine, ah, just her feminine flow. And, and um, anyway, there's so much that we could say about that because there's nuances and layers. And it's like nobody's supposed to live there all the time, you know, but yeah. I got this. Yeah. If there's any men listening. I would say the majority of females really like hearing that. Everyone is different. And there's some women today that don't like yeah. when a man helps her with her suitcase. Sure. Absolutely. I will say I love it, though. And when, it makes me think of a time I was getting on a flight and my bag was so heavy to mm. put on mm. the overhead bin. And I tried like four times and I was like falling and there was a guy behind me just watching me mm. and I don't know what mm. reason maybe he got yeah. yelled at once when he tried to help a woman you right. know could be but yeah. I just looked back at him yeah and I was like yeah. can you help me because I'm just thinking yeah. in my head yeah even as like a woman if someone if yeah. I saw they needed help I'd be like do you need help but I was so mad I'm yeah. like can you please help me <laughs> totally and and I think a lot of the a lot of women struggle right now especially uh I don't know if if this is an appropriate term, kind of your boss babe kind of woman, uh, you know, a man, she tends to attract, if she's, in, if she's interested in men, she's likely to attract men who are going to be like, oh, good, a boss babe. So I don't have to do anything. She's going to do it. And it can be a challenge for her to, <clears throat> I think a lot of, a lot of, a lot of women will, in their frustration, will then start directing him how to get it, how to get this. Look, you get this by doing this X, Y, Z, take me here, open it, you know, and that's not helpful at all everybody's frustrated in that. And so um, it can be challenging. And one of the things that I, that Sylvie will do is um, it's like, again, coming back to opening the door and it's a tricky thing, but uh, we're, she and I are both on the same page. She knows I'm going to open the door and I know she's going to let me. And she does let me, you know, if she didn't let me, that would be, I wouldn't like that. 
if she demanded I do it, I wouldn't like that either. <laughs> right? So that's the, that's the dance we do. There is an allowing on her part. There's a patience on her part. That sh- and there's, but again, we're enrolled in the dance together. I think, um, I think, you know, in, in, in new, in a new, if, if you're dating somebody, you can kind of tell a lot about where they're at by just, uh, allowing the date to unfold, allowing like, what is this? How is this man going to show up? Is he, is he, you know, when the check comes, is he going to grab it right away? Or is he going to let it sit there for a while in which, cause he's, Again, without even knowing why necessarily, I mean, a lot of assumptions we can make about that. But you know, when I was dating, I was I did a lot of practice before I met Sylvie, and I was practicing a lot of I got this. Uh, I have resources. I'm on a date with a woman. It doesn't matter if I see potential or not. I fucking got this. You know, as a practice for me to step into that more, to embody that more, and it felt so good. You know, so um, again, you can just tell a lot by how as a guy. Uh, showing up in, 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 but you have to be patient. You got to allow him the opportunity to step into that. And, you know, couples have to figure these things out over time as well. So, you know, you can't read too much into those first interactions, but so much more. I know we're, we're, we're coming up on time. There's so much more we could say, but I know I can talk to you for yeah. hours and I hate that we're out of yeah. time, but maybe we'll have you back on the show sometime. I'd be honored. So if you're listening and you want Brian to come back, put in the comments or message me, or you can message Brian on Instagram. What's your uh, Instagram handle? Brian Reeves. It's, and it's Brian with a Y. Reeves Insight. Brian Reeves Insight. And then is, are all your links on there, your website and things like yep, that? Yep. Everything's on there. Also just my website, brianreeves.com. Uh, my book is there and all my social medias and different blogs and videos and programs, all that stuff. It's all there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much thank for you. coming on the show today. Christina, it's been great to be here. It's been a pleasure to do this with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it five stars and write a review. It helps my rankings and I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend, it's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. Have a great day.